Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. So today we're closing out our series. It's called Bullseye. If you've been here, you know that the first three weeks, what we've been talking about is the center of who we are and what we're shooting for as a church. And we call that our general bullseye, sort of like the, the, you know how bullseye has a little center? We're going to talk about that today. We've been talking about the bigger center of the bullseye, and that is our mission, to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And during the three weeks, we've talked about what it means to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world here, there, and everywhere across the world. We talked the second week of the series about what it means to grow in Jesus Christ personally, what it means to grow as a church family, and even to share that growth with those who haven't yet uh, responded to Jesus. And then last week, we talked about what it means to live the new life of Jesus Christ in the world and to overcome the devil who decides that his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy that life from us. Today, as I said, we're going to look at that very center of the bullseye, which we call our vision. And, uh, and the vision is this, to reach 1,500 people each weekend on our fully developed campus and to plant one church in our region and facilitate the development of five other churches each year by 2020. Now, we tweak the vision about every three to five years, which is why the message titled for this morning is Five Years From Now, because back in 2015 is the last time the lead team looked at that vision and and tweaked it a bit. And so as you can see, the main components of the vision are to be reaching 1,500 people per weekend here uh, here at 139 Knock Road on our fully developed 20.3 acres that God has entrusted to us uh, to plant a church in our region once a year and to help develop five other churches. So those are the components by 2020. And you might be sitting there going, wow, that's not going to happen. I mean, that's a big goal. How can you do all of that? And the truth of the matter is, we know it's a big goal. In fact, if it weren't a big goal, then it wouldn't really be a vision from God. It would just be what we can do. This isn't a market plan. It isn't just wishful thinking. This is uh, the result of concentrated prayer, asking God, where do you want us to go in our life together? Because one of the things that we really need to understand is God does have a plan individually for our lives, but also for local church families and actually for the world as a whole. God has a plan and a purpose. And today we're going to look into a scripture that talks about how we must follow God's plan rather than our own. So before we go to the scripture, let's look at this morning's take-home point. And for those of you who are new, the take-home point is the one point that I'm going to be making in this message. We hope that we'll all take it home, think about it, pray about it, and then live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit this week. So here it is. Don't presume on God. Always rely on Him. Don't presume on God. Always rely on Him. So whether we're talking individually or whether we're talking about a church family, we need to understand something very important. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to love and serve God. God has a plan and purpose for each of our lives. He wants what's best for us. And so we need to understand that when we start our planning, we need to plan and say, God, what do you want in our lives? We can never presume. So we don't presume on God. We rely on him. So never presume on him. Always rely on him. Today's scripture, if you have your Bible, is from the book of James chapter 4. 
begins in verse 13. So if you would open your Bible or Bible app at this point, if you don't have a Bible, then the the verses are going to be up on the screen. And what we're going to see is where we um, sort of established our bullseye and how we make sure that we continue to stay within God's will and purpose as we do that. So here's what the book of James says, what the James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, said. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And, and as always, Lord, it's a challenging word. Uh, it does encourage us, but, but the challenge is for us to turn to you first and not to presume. So God, fill us with your Holy Spirit right now that when we reflect on these words uh, from your holy book, uh, that we will be empowered not only to understand it, but to live it out in the week ahead. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So James reminds us of our tendency to assume that we have control in our lives. And and I mean, I think most of us do assume we wake up in the morning, we assume we have control. And he used this example. He said, don't say this, today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and stay there for a year. We're going to do business there and make a profit. The point is obvious. We uh, think it's natural to assume that we have control in our lives. Most of us get up in the morning and and we make a plan for the day. And some of us who are really planners, we have a plan not only for the day, but for the week, for the month, for the year, for our whole life. We have this plan and we say, I'm going to do X. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. And what James reminds us is, how do you know you're going to do that? In fact, what he says is, how do you know what your life is going to be like tomorrow? That's a powerful question, isn't it? Do we know we're going to be here tomorrow? Do we know we have tomorrow? James wants us to reflect on that important question. And then he says something uh, very, very uh, disconcerting to me. He says, your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Over the past several weeks, we've had a lot of mornings where there were morning fog, right? But by, you know, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, it's gone and we've had these beautiful sunny days. And what James is saying is, that's your life, guys and girls. That's my life. We're going to be here for a little while, then we're gone. Now, a couple years ago, some of you will remember this, Nancy and I were involved in a serious car accident. The strange thing is, we weren't even driving at the time. We were just sitting beside the road on Route 8, waiting to pull out, and a guy came across all five lanes of traffic and smashed into us at about this angle. The police say going about 50 or 55 miles an hour. So our car was turned 180 degrees. The whole right side of the car was smashed in. And uh, only by the grace of God did Nancy, who was in the passenger front seat on the right side, survive. And not only survive, she was only in the hospital overnight. And, you know, I had a concussion. But the bottom line is we realized something that we, I guess we always knew this. But in that instant, that one second it took for that accident to occur, we realized that this life is like a morning fog. And it can be gone in an instant. 
We all know that, but most days we, we don't think about that. Even those of us who aren't planners, those of us who are just sort of drifting through life, we still think that we're going to have a life tomorrow. We're going to have a life next week, next year. We know that everybody dies, but we really don't think about our personal death as something that's going to happen in our lifetime. It's a little crazy if you think about it. Now, what James was not saying, he was not saying don't make plans. He wasn't saying, don't have a bullseye for your individual life, your family, or your church. What he was saying is, when you make those plans, always make sure that God is first in the planning process. Remember, he said, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. So instead of presuming on the Lord... We need to rely on him. If you're 15 or 16 years old and you're thinking about going to college, you know, you need to ask God, God, do you want me to go to college? Do you want me to go to the military? Do you want me to get, go to a trade school or get a vacation? Do you, voca- not vacation, vocation. Okay. Do you, do you want me to go into mission? What do you want me to do? In whatever age we are along the life spectrum, when we are making plans, We need to make sure that we ask the question, is this what God wants us to do? In fact, some of the translations say, is this what God wills? So we ought to say when we're making our plans, if God wills, we will do X, Y, or Z. But we shouldn't just do it on our own, presuming on God, because James says that's evil. When we, when we don't put God into our plans and put him first in our plans. So his final statement in the passage can be taken in two different ways, at least two different ways, because he says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. So what he might have been saying is, when you know that you ought to bring your plans before the Lord and you don't do it, that's a sin. But he also could have been saying, when you know what you are supposed to do and you don't do it, that's also a sin. What, God, what, what James was saying is God cares intimately about our lives. He wants to be involved in our lives, engaged in our lives. He created us, and he desires to be there in every moment of every day of our lives. So tomorrow morning, let's say you wake up and you say, you know, God, I'm, I'm thinking about taking a trip. What do you think? Should I go? God, I'm thinking about buying a car. Do you think I should buy a car? God, I'm thinking about changing jobs. Do you think I should change jobs? I, I mean, have you ever done that? Can, every, every decision, every plan, every you know, purpose of your life, every project that's going on, have you asked the question, God, is this your direction for me? Is this really what you want me to do? And, and you say, is God really concerned about whether I buy a car or not? Is God really concerned about you know, whether I take this course in college or not? Is he really concerned about such little things as that? The answer is Yes. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us that God cares about what we eat and what we drink and what we wear. That's a pretty little thing, right? In fact, he says God cares so much about those things that we don't have to worry about them. If we put God first in our lives, we don't have to worry about those things, but we want to include God in all the things of our life because God cares and God wants to be involved in our plans. He cares whether we have a bullseye at which we're aiming, and he cares if we hit it. He cares if we put our energy into this or into that because God cares fully and completely about us. So this passage from James is so practical for each of us and for all of us together because it reminds us of how vital it is to put God first in our planning. Because one thing, God determines how long we're going to live. Probably good to include the guy who knows how long you're going to live in your life plan, right? God is the one who has given us all the giftings that we have. He's given us the capacity for what we can do in our life. He's, He's done all of that for us, so we want to include him in our plans. He loves us so much 
The Bible says that God who created us loves us so much that Jesus came into the world and he died for us. He rose for us. He reigns in power over us. He prays for us. It tells us that in Romans chapter 8. So if he cares about us that much, that, that he made sure that we would have, as we talked about last week, an abundant life here and now, and then life with him forever, then he needs to be included in all of our planning for life. So I, um, you know, we live in a culture that says basically this, do whatever you want, be whatever you want. Do whatever you want, be whatever you want. And what I learned a long time ago is if you do whatever you want, you end up dead. Spiritually or physically, or both, you end up dead. If you just do whatever you want, just try that. Just go out and do anything you want. You will end up in a bad place. The other thing I learned a long time ago is you can't be whatever you want. I mean, we're told that from little kids. We're told, you know, you can be anything you want to be. Well, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be the left fielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they were good back then, too, you know? So... You know, and I worked really hard. I, this wasn't just like a little kid's dream. This was, I was going to do it, you know, and I did everything that I could do. I practiced baseball all the time. I even played with Tom and Bruce Trail's Tonka trucks for two hours so he, they would play baseball with me for one hour. It was torture. But anyway, I was serious about becoming a major league baseball player, and I was told I could do anything I wanted to do. But here's the truth. I couldn't hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, so I was never going to play in the major leagues. And when I found that out, I was very disappointed. But today, I'm pretty excited about it. Because if I had made it to be the left fielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates, then I would have been washed up for at least the last 20 years. But I'm not washed up. And I'm doing something so much more important than hitting a little ball around the field or catching it in the outfield and throwing it in. I'm doing something that has significance for a lifetime. And so here's the thing that we need to understand. It is vital to pursue our dreams. And it's vital to know which dreams are not worth pursuing. But what's even more vital is laying our dreams before God and asking him what is his dream for us. You see, we all want to have dreams. We do. And sometimes we learn that this dream isn't really a dream worth having. But the most important thing of all is to say, God, I have this dream. Is it your dream for me or is it just mine? Is this your dream for me? Because if it's your dream for me, then I'm going to pursue it with everything that I have. And you're going to help me as I pursue it. I know that. And so let's look today once again, a little more closely at this center of our bullseye because the general mission has never changed in the history of new life except for last year. We added the action verbs, you know, grow and live, to share, grow and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. But our vision statement has changed a number of times and it will change again because it's the specific plan for a specific period in the future. And so, again, I want to read it to you. I already read it, but I want you to hear it again. To reach 1,500 people each weekend on our fully developed campus, to plant one church in our region and facilitate the development of five other churches each year by 2020. So is that God's bullseye for us? Is that God's will for us? Does God want us to do that in our life together as New Life Christian Ministries? And, and how do we know that? Well, the first thing is we pray. That's how we know God's will about anything is we turn to his written word and we pray and we look at the circumstances God has provided in our lives and we also listen to others around us who, who discern and hear the voice of God in their lives. Those are basically the ways that we know what God is doing through his word, through prayer, through circumstances and through uh, other believers who are also seeking the will and purpose of God. So is it God's will for us to have 1,500? Why did we say 1,500? Why not 1,000? 
Well, the reason we didn't say 1,000 is because last Christmas and this Easter, we had 1,000 people here. So we know that's possible. I mean, we've already seen that happen. So why 1,500? Why not 2,500? Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the 2,500 in a moment. But, but right now, the reason 1,500 is because that was more than we saw as possible in our natural abilities and gifting and strengths. And uh, I want to tell you, when you have a plan that, that you want to put before God, the important thing to remember is God expects you to do something, and he will do what you can't do. In fact, one of my favorite verses, two verses in Scripture is Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, where it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, here it is, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So what he's saying there is we have to do our part. God isn't going to do our part. Well, what's our part when it comes to this 1,500 people thing? Well, I, I can think of something. If you would go home this week and pray about it and think of one person who doesn't go to church who needs Jesus, and you would bring him next week, 1,500, there we go, just like that. It's that simple. You know, that's our part. But the, here's God's part. That person might say no. That person might not have an inclination to go to church. That person might not have any desire to have anything to do with God or church. But God is the one who moves that person's heart. You see, we don't bring anybody to salvation. Only Jesus does. We don't bring anybody even to church. Only Jesus motivates the person. We live in a free country. You can't force anybody to do anything. And God doesn't force anybody to do anything. But God moves our hearts. God changes the way we think. God lives in us. And he is working on people all around us, our friends, our family members, our classmates at school, our coworkers, and even people that we barely know. And so we have a part to play in every part of our own personal bullseye, whatever that might be, and also in our life together as a church family. So we didn't choose the number 2,500. I told you I'd tell you about that because we're not even sure that's a wise number for us to have because we have as part of our vision, as I said, to plant a church regionally, one church, you know, a year starting in 2020. And so let's say we were going to plant a church in Natrona Heights, for example, or Franklin or Butler, doesn't matter where, but any place where people are already coming from new life. Let's say there's 50 people that are already coming from Natrona Heights to New Life, and I don't know if that number's right, but it's probably close. Anyway, we could ask those 50 people, probably would be glad to be in a church in their own community rather than having to drive all the way to here, and to be part of that beginning of reaching lost people who need Jesus and, and providing a New Life kind of a church in that area that doesn't have one yet. And so that's why we, we know that over time, probably some of you, when there's a New Life Christian Ministries Church in your community are probably going to rather stay there than come here. So as we grow, we'll naturally also distribute and multiply out through the region. So that's one of the reasons why we thought it would be best to make the number 1,500 rather than 2,500. And if the Lord wills, that's what will happen. See what I just did? If the Lord wills. Not, not, that's not, that plan is a good plan. If the Lord wills, then it will happen. And we want to be participating in the will of the Lord as that happens. Now, what about the thing of helping plant five other churches? You know, well, we're already doing that. In fact, we've been exceeding that goal for a long time. Over the last two years, we've planted 27 churches in Cuba, helped to plant 27 churches in Cuba. So that's a lot more than five uh, per year. And so that one, we're going to probably have to change a little bit when we go back to revising the vision statement into 2020, um, if the Lord wills. 
course. I mean, because it looks like we're going to continue to do those ministries in Cuba for a long time because God is bearing so much fruit there. But we're always, always, always saying, if the Lord wills, if he wants us to, we'll continue to do this or that. So we all need to do that. Not assume, not presume on God, but rely on him to ask him. And that's true as a church family. It's true in your individual life. And, and the thing that I pray and hope for all of us today is that we'll take this home, not just for new life. You won't go home and say, oh, wow, that's a big vision our church has. And, and that's something that's really amazing. And, and again, you know, that vision is consistent with the Great Commission where Jesus told us to go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations. It's also consistent with his words, last words he said before going back to heaven in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is that we're supposed to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that, you know, that basically we are called to go out and help people who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. That's a general thing, but this is a very specific focus on that. And, and, you know, one of the things that I realize every day, what a great privilege it is, as well as responsibility it is, to have a church with, with 1,500, with more than 1,000 people uh, in Saxonburg. I don't know if you know this or not, but only five out of 100 churches in America, anywhere in America, have more than 1,000 people. And most of them aren't in places like Saxonburg. Most of them are in the South, in Dallas, in Houston, in Florida, in, in, in California, in places with lar- large populations. The Northeast, it, it's sort of not, I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, it's not Death Valley, but it's sort of not a place where there are, you know, mega churches, if you will. Um, and, and that's not our goal. As we said last week, healthy things grow. And if you missed any of the messages during this series, I would encourage you to go online to newlifexn.org or go download the New Life app onto your phone and watch or listen to those messages that talk about sharing, growing, and living the new life of Jesus Christ with the world. So here's the key. When it really comes down to it is we must continue to rely on Jesus and not to presume on him in every area, whether it's as an individual, whether as a family, or whether it's as a church family, we need to continue to rely on him and never to presume on him. So here's the um, commitment for today based on that key. It is, I will turn to God first in all my plans this week. And the two key words are first and all. I will turn to God first in all my plans. So the littlest ones, the biggest ones. I will turn to God and I'll say, God, do you want me to do that? Imagine what's going to happen when you wake up tomorrow and you say, God, do you want me to go to school? <laughs> okay. Okay, you know, I'm pretty sure he's going to say yes to that one. But if he doesn't, that's going to be between you and your parents, all right? You can give me a call if you want to. But, you know, especially if you're under 18, I'm pretty sure, you know, you probably have to go to school tomorrow. But when you wake up and you ask the question, God, do you want me to go to work? Do you want me to do a different kind of work? Who do you want me to talk to who, who doesn't know you yet? Is that coworker that's, you know, that... I just can't stand that him or her, but I know it's because they're miserable because they don't know Jesus. Is it, is it me who you're going to ask to talk to them? All of those things, from the littlest thing to the biggest thing, they're all so crucial, and they will happen in, in a way that is so much more powerful when we ask the question, God, what is your will in this situation? So let's pray right now and let's ask God to empower us by his Holy Spirit to put him first in all of our plans this week. Almighty God, we do ask that. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would pour your Holy Spirit into each of us 
that whether we have a little decision that's weighing on our mind right now or the biggest decision of all that we've ever faced, that we will turn to you and ask, God, what is your will? What do you want us to do? And we'll listen, God, and we'll listen to your voice through your word. We'll listen to your voice in prayer. We'll listen to your voice through the circumstances that you bring in front of us and also through other believers who are mature and who have our best interests at heart. God, I pray for this church family that as we seek to hit that bullseye of reaching 1,500 people every weekend here at New Life and as we plant churches, as we do the things that you call us to do, God, that we will do them faithfully and always asking the question, what do you want next? Never presuming that we know, but always relying on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.